Hey, uh, we got all, all kinds of ways that we as a church try to uh, draw people in, ministries that we offer. We've got men's ministry coming up. There's a bunch of stuff in the back you can look at, Brent mentioned. Um, but one of the ways that we do this is men's ministry. We started men's ministry actually before we started services as a church. We started a men's ministry Bible study. Uh, so it's the longest standing ministry of the church, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but... Uh, we were fortunate enough to bring on staff uh, a while back, uh, a director for men's ministry. Um, you know him as Bacon. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, I know that guy. Does he have a name? Nah, he's just the Bacon guy, right? Uh, so we thought it'd be good to have you be introduced to Nick on a day when there's no Bacon. So uh, we're going to have uh, Nick, a men's ministry director, come up and share the word with us this morning. So if you all give him a warm welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you for that warm welcome, even though I don't have bacon. That usually, that usually makes lots of friends. Uh, uh, one thing I learned in life over the years is um, at some point in life, you're going to get a phone call or someone's going to inform you of something. In my life, it's been a phone call. New generations, it could be a text. It could be a Twitter or whatever. It could be a who knows, right? But there'll be some way, it, something will be communicated to you. And uh, it's something that will rock your world. And from that point on, things are going to be different in your world. Somehow, some way. It might change your whole life. It might put a fork in the road for you, but you're going to have to deal with it. And when that news comes down, and maybe you've experienced it, and maybe you haven't yet, what you have going into that, the tools you have in your toolbox, the arsenal you have to, to battle it, that's what you got. You've got your experience and your knowledge, possibly, and that could be all, but that's not the way God plans it. If you'll bow your heads and your hearts with me in prayer before we get into the scriptures this morning, I would like to take it before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your wisdom, and we know that your plan for us is not for us to feel alone, but for us to know that you're with us through everything. We ask for your mercy. We ask you to take away distractions this morning. I ask you to speak to each one here individually and talk to their heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. See, the thing is, is when you, when you come to the Lord with something, it, it never happens of, oh, geez, I never thought that would ever happen. When I created them, I, I never thought this could happen. I never thought they would have that problem. I never thought they would feel that pain. Now, I know that those phone calls happen and something happens in your life that changes things for you because I've experienced it myself. It was 1984, and a phone call came in at the house where I grew up in, in Castor Valley on Metal Ark Drive down from Rudy's Donuts now. It used to be Dutch Pride Dairy, the drive through <laughs> And the voice on the other end said, 
Uh, is this the Drabeck family? Yes. Uh, we have Charles Drabeck here at Eden Hospital, and uh, he's either had a heart attack or a stroke, and we need you to come down. <coughs> okay. I went down there, one mile drive, felt like an hour. When we got there, a nurse in a white outfit told us that my father had suffered a heart attack or a stroke, and he didn't make it. He went to be with the Lord. And at 23 years old, I felt a pain inside of me and an aloneness that I never felt before. And it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing for you when you lose one of your parents. And all I had was my knowledge and my experience of how to deal with it. I wasn't walking with the Lord. I knew that according to my past experience that if you stopped in, if you had issues and things on your mind and you stopped into the local bar and you had a, a bottle or two or a glass or two and you filtered it through that, that when you came out, the pain was maybe a little less. The reality wasn't any different, but maybe the pain was a little less. But that's the tools I had to deal with. About 10 years later, 1994, Thanksgiving weekend, I got home to multiple messages on my answering machine. Remember, that was the communication technique. About 10 of them. As I played them, the attempt to get in touch with me got more intense. I knew there was something going on. I returned the phone call and got hold of who was trying to call me. Cell phones weren't around then. They didn't even have the flip yet. And I found out that a, a longtime friend of mine had been involved in a drowning accident. And just like that, he was gone. I was 34 years old, had just moved into my second house. Life was just rolling along. The flow was coming my way, and here comes this. So I dealt with it the way I knew. Another little something in a glass helps the pain go away, and life goes on. That's the, if that's the tools we have, because that's what we've been handed down, that's the tools we had. Or that's the ones we chose to receive. That's the tools we have. 1998, April, around the 8th, first week of April, I'm 37 years old. The phone rings again, another phone call. And it's a guy I knew. His name is Gene Bradley. And he invited me to go turkey hunting. And I said, sure, let's do it. Not only do I love the outdoors and one turkey trying to pursue another turkey works out. <laughs> but uh, I knew this guy was a Christian. I knew something was different about this guy. I knew his language was different. I knew he had a humble attitude. I knew that when he was in a room full of people and he had made the most money of anybody in a month's time, he was very humble and he said, I'm just blessed when everybody tried to compliment him. He never bragged. 
something was different, and I wanted to know what it was. So we went up there. Also during that week, I was invited to uh, Good Friday. It was Easter week, the week before Easter. So Good Friday morning, Gene and I are out on the top of a hillside, and back behind us is some thick, heavy brush and forest, and we're looking out over the hillside like it is when you're traveling down Highway 680. Now it is in April. It's all nice and green. Everything is lush, right? And we're looking out, and there's scrub oaks, and we're talking, and here's a couple of turkeys looking for another couple of turkeys. But I want to know what makes this guy different. What's this Christian thing? I grew up with some of the stories. I said, what does it mean to be a Christian? He said, well, it means that you believe in Jesus Christ, that he came here, he was the son of God, he is God, died on the cross, rose again to provide a pathway to heaven. I'm like 12 years of Catholic private school. I know that story. That's easy. He says, you base your life on that and you invite him to come into your heart and come into your life. And then you do things according to what the Bible says and what he wants for you. I said, well, how did it work for you? When did you become a Christian? He said, well, I'll tell you. He said, there was this little blonde girl that I wanted to date. (laughs) And she went to church. So as I started to date her, a couple weeks in, her dad came out to me and said, if you want to date my daughter, you got to go to church on Sunday and Wednesdays. (laughs) So he said, okay, I'm in. So he started dating his, his daughter, and he started to go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. And one Wednesday night, he said he got home, he got down on his knees in his bedroom, and he prayed for Jesus to come into his heart and come into his life. He'd heard the stories, he'd been around it, he wanted some of that. Of course, this little blonde girl probably had a little something to do it, but he, said, he meant it with a sincere heart, and he said, At that point, there was one window in my bedroom, and it was dark outside because after Wednesday night service, he said, and somehow it looked a little light. I felt like there was a light out there. And at the time, he was telling me this story of him inviting Christ into his life and a light shining and a sign. We heard a rumbling roar behind us out of the bushes and the rustling of leaves and branches. And I turned to look. Gene was on my right. I was sitting here with my shotgun on my lap. And as I looked, about a 100-plus-pound Rottweiler, wild, that had, this happens out when you're out in the woods. They escape from farms and, and ranches, and they go back to the pack animals they are. And they get born out there, and they're survivors. Well, this dog has got a bead on us. I'm jumping out and trying to get a bead on him and realizing it's not going to happen. He's so close to Gene, he can't get to his gun to defend himself. So he takes the pack that he's been taking his snacks out of and he raises it up like this because that dog's going to lunge on us. At that point, as he raised up on it, 
that dog turned and went back into the bushes as quick as he appeared. And at that point, we both just sat there shaking, adrenaline pumped, going, wow. He says, man, what an attack. Here I'm telling you about Jesus, and here comes this attack. He's talking about a spiritual one. I'm saying, wow, what an attack. I'm talking about a dog one. (coughs) I knew something was going on. I asked him some more questions on the way down the hill, loaded up in my truck, and proceeded to drive back down Highway 101 about 100 miles so I could make it to the invitation to Friday night service. I've been in the church hundreds of times. I wasn't scared of that. But my buddy, when he called me, a phone call and called me, he said, hey, I'm worried about you. This, this weekend's Easter. You want to come with me to church? Sure, no problem. I showed up there and I heard the, the, the preacher talk about the gospel and preach the message of the gospel and, and Jesus' resurrection. And one word stuck in my mind and it was the word surrender. And I could not get it out of my head. He said, you've got to surrender to the Lord in order for him to be able to use you, in order for him to be real to you. I said, okay. That night I went to bed. The next morning I got up on Saturday as I worked back then. And, oh, wait a minute. That didn't sound right. (laughs) I worked weekends back then. Uh, and And I did my work and came home that afternoon. I still could not get that word surrender out of my head. So I got down on my knees back in my bedroom, like my buddy had said, if it worked for him, hey, it might work for me. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I believe in you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me and rose again. And if this is how it works, here I am. That simple. I didn't know the Bible. I knew some stories. I knew I felt something going on inside of me. And got up off my knees. There was nothing magical happened. Went about my day, had dinner, went to bed. Woke up the next day. It was April 12th, 1998. And something was different inside of me. But I wasn't going to tell anybody. Because I didn't know if it was permanent or it was going to go away. You ever had that happen to you? Keep it to yourself for a while, right? See how it pans out. Well, it was different. It stayed with me for a while. Later on that week, I decided to go and and get a Bible. I went into Pryfogel's Bible shop, coffee store. (laughs) Bringing back memories, huh? Castor Valley. The guy who ran it was an a interim pastor. He was a retired pastor at the time he ran this coffee shop bookstore. I said, hey, you know, uh, I, I, uh, I just became a new Christian, I think, and um, I think I should get a Bible. Oh, well, what, what translation would you like? One with Jesus in it. <laughs> oh, well, let me show you. Man, there's a lot of translations. 
So I, I didn't purchase one at that point. I went back home. I called my buddy who had invited me to a Friday night service. I said, hey, man. I said, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a Bible, but there's all these translations. The guy at the Bible shop said that I should get the translation that they teach in, in church. And so I'm wondering, which translation is that? You know? He goes, oh, you don't need a Bible. I said, man, you've been trying to get me to church for who knows how long. I'm telling you, yeah, I want to get a Bible now. And you're telling me I don't need a Bible? He says, yeah, because me and my wife already got you one. So we'll bring it over to you tonight. Okay. So he brought it over to me, went, brushed through it a little bit, tried to show me the little track of the four spiritual laws, and explained to me how you need to invite Jesus into your heart. And I said, I already did that a couple of days ago. I'm going, so what's the next thing I need to do here on this Bible thing? <laughs> he said, well, start coming over to my house. My wife will make you dinner. Me being a bachelor, I said, that sounds good. And we'll talk about the Bible a little bit. Okay. So he started doing a little discipling. I started going to church a little bit. I started digging into this because God had created a hunger inside of me for it. Uh, then I, I, I got another little phone call. So this is a few months into me just becoming a new Christian. And the voice on the other end of the phone says, Hey, Nick Drabeck? Yeah. Hey, my name is Mark Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, you know, I heard that you're pretty good at construction and stuff. Yeah, we're uh, remodeling a little store up here, you know, Seven Hills Grocery Store. Yeah, yeah, we're going to remodel it into a youth center whatever that is. He says, yeah, yeah, if you want to help, that'd be great. Uh, you know, today's Sunday, tomorrow's Monday. We, we do demo on Mondays and stuff. If you'd like to come and help us out. No pressure. Just think about it, pray about it. Nice talking to you. Okay. I thought, well, all right, we'll see. I know construction. At the time, I was in a different business venture. I was self-employed at the time. And um, uh, showed up, just started helping him do you know, some demo and what have you. And uh, that turned into about two years. <laughs> Not of the demo, but <laughs> we changed this place into a youth center, which Mark tried to explain to me, created an environment for teenagers to feel comfortable and hear the gospel and hear about God's wisdom for us. I said, okay. I had the privilege of seeing literally hundreds of kids uh, learn about the Lord and give their hearts to the Lord and change their life. And I've seen their lives now. Some of them are pastors. Some of them family men. Some of them just, it was 20-something years ago. That was, you know, 1998, 99. I got a hunger in me to go to the school of ministry at Cornerstone. I did that for a few years. I helped uh, Dave Parada start a church out in Discovery Bay and stuff. The Lord just put things in front of me. But as I dug into the word, I found a word at first that I didn't understand, a verse at first that I didn't understand. And if James, if you'll put that up there. It's in the book of Proverbs, written by King Solomon. Uh, he's a king that's known for his wisdom. He asked the Lord for wisdom when God came to him in a dream and said, what do you want? He said, I want to know discernment and good judgment. I want to be a wise person. He wrote this book, 
And in in the first chapter, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I could not understand that. The fear of the Lord. Why should I be afraid of God? Why should I have the emotion of being scared when this is the same God that I'd already felt this grace and forgiveness like never before? It didn't make sense. I pondered it. I found the answer shortly after that. In the next chapter, there's the value of wisdom. Chapter 2. It says, My son, if you receive my words... And treasure up my commandments with you. This is Solomon talking to younger people. He probably didn't have the best dad role model. His dad was King David. A man after God's heart but made a lot of mistakes. He was made king at about 20 years old. Was king till he was about my age at 59 which I just turned couple days uh, last Sunday. He reigned for 40 years. He didn't ask for that. He was born into it. Maybe some of you have some life that you didn't ask for. You're born into it. But he says, if you receive my words, not just hear them, not just browse it, receive them, treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom. A lot of competition for your ears out there today. Music, TV, talk, radio, gossip. God's saying, make your ears attentive to wisdom. That's how important it is. And inclining your heart to understanding, which is going to direct you. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, shout out in your prayers. It could be vocally or in your prayer voice inside your head. We all have that inner voice. We all have that self-talk. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, here's a man talking about that. He doesn't have to look for hidden treasures. His father, King David, amassed 39,000 pounds of gold for him to do construction with. That's 20,000 tons of gold is what he started building with when he built the temple and his palace. Here's a man telling you about looking for something, looking for wisdom for God, like you're hunting for a treasure. That's how important it is. That's where your mind has to go. That's where your heart has to be. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In this instance, the word fear, like we normally think, it means to be scared or afraid or whatever. It's used in the tense of acknowledgement, reverence, you demand. 
And it's hard for us if, we, if all we've known of fear of the Lord is something to be afraid of. It's not. He's the one who made us. He's the one that loves us unconditionally. He's the one that we can take anything to. When I started understanding that, things made a lot more sense. You've got to have the right attitude to get the wisdom from the Lord. C.S. Lewis puts it like this about your attitude. In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God is that, and therefore you know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. It doesn't mean you're worthless. You're his creation. You're his sons and daughters. He loves you dearly. It just means you've got to battle that ego and that selfishness in you. It's the way you're wired. As long as you're proud, you cannot know God. The Bible talks a lot about pride. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that's above you. You have to have a healthy fear of the Lord. A healthy attitude. It's a positioning. When I got down on my knees and asked the Lord to come into my heart, I learned that being down on your knees, it's not only a physical position, it's a spiritual position. It's one of reverence. It's one of acknowledgement of the way it is. So, what does Jesus think about all this wisdom stuff? Well, let's look at Matthew 7. Now, Matthew 7, before we talk about it, I want to set it up where he says it in the text. It's like I try to teach the men on Wednesday mornings. A text taken out of text is pretext. It's, you can pick and choose things to make things make sense for you, but that's not the way they work. It comes in chapter 7, which is after the Sermon on the Mountain Beatitudes, where Jesus talks about how to get his blessings and who will be blessed. It comes after he talks about how to deal with murder, divorce, marriage, prayer, giving, Treasures in heaven, worry, judging others. How much fruit your life should bear? Yeah, that's when this text comes now. It says, in some, in some translations, it'll say, therefore, because after he said everything else. The neat thing about it is in a study Bible, there's page after page of red letters. And you know what that means. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man, someone with wisdom, who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, just hears them, doesn't receive them, doesn't take them in their heart, doesn't want anything to do with them. They just sound good. Can I move? (laughs) He will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Notice the same parallel. There's the wise man, there's the fool. Just like Solomon had been talking about. Solomon, same author of what we've been studying these last few weeks in in Ecclesiastes. There's the wise man and there's the fool. Jesus says there's the wise man and there's the fool. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat against that house. That's those phone calls you get in life. Life just happens. It comes down the stream. It's not going to stop because of you. You're important. Just like, you know, no matter what, you show up late, that plane's going to leave from the airport. You're not that important. Sometimes we feel like we wish life would stop, right? But it's not. And the last line... And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Yeah, when it all falls in, and you didn't build it right, it's a great fall. I found a picture that um, years ago, I found it. I used to have it in my other office. I moved offices. And um, I was thinking, man, I sure would like to get this picture back. And, and, and it shows a house built on a rock. You see that? It always grabbed my attention when I saw it. It's an old picture. I forget where I found it. I found it at some out-of-the-way little place. But you can see it's been through it, that, that life. You can see it up there, but you can't see it quite as good. But it's just always grabbed me. I've pondered it a long time. It's almost like having a TV on in the corner. I'll look at it. I want to share it with you with this text because as a guy involved in a little bit of construction once in a while, I thought, man, look at that. Boy, that's, man, I could do something with that house. Mm hmm. Love that location. You see what I see here? What I see here is that I know from construction that house was not built first and then the rock under it. That rock was there, always there. It's kind of like our lives, especially as we get older in years. See how that house, the materials for that house, is wearing out. At one point, it's going to wear out and possibly fall down if it doesn't get taken care of. And that's kind of like us. The rock's here before we were. The rock will be here when we're gone. But when life comes and flows, and sometimes this debris gets up close like it's right there, and that's, sometimes that's how life is. Sometimes it's harder than others. Sometimes it's busier than others. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. You might be experiencing something right now, or you might be thinking of something in your past, or who knows. 
But that's how life is. But when this house is anchored to that rock, that house ain't going nowhere. That, that, something about that thing just, just makes me think of the Lord and how our lives are. No. This surrender stuff and building your house on the rock and that all sounds great, but your attitude, that takes a lot of trust. Huh? And so uh, another verse I wanted us to look at that helps explain that trust and the attitude is again in Proverbs, written by Solomon, and, and many of you, I'm sure, know it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, not just parts of your life, and he will make your path straight. When you have God's wisdom, you understand his character, you understand his plan for you. Everybody says, man, that... That Christian thing, it's a lot of commandments. It's a lot of rules. God just lays it out for us here so we'll have a better life. The thou shalt not, that's a don't hurt yourself. It's common sense. Don't, don't hurt yourself. Don't lie. Causes a lot of pain. Don't murder. Causes a lot of pain to everybody. Don't commit adultery. Causes a lot of pain. Going to make you miserable. Going to make a lot of other people miserable. But you have to battle your human nature. Unless you're seeking and wanting God's wisdom, that human nature, the ways of the world, are going to have their way with you. Be not wise in your own eyes. Don't be a know-it-all. Don't be the fool. Fear the Lord, give reverence to him, have that different attitude, and turn away from evil. Because when you have a relationship with God, you don't want to mess it up. Just like when you have a relationship with your spouse, you don't want to mess it up. Because there's a relationship there. That's the important thing. Just knowing about God, who he is, and knowing the stories doesn't make for the relationship takes an attitude of your heart. That brings us to our first fill-in. I know we're doing this a little bit different, but I, I wanted you, some of the men too, that maybe haven't been to our Wednesday mornings or our Monday nights, to experience how we do it there. We look at some scripture, we have our plan and our message, and we do our fill-ins, then we do some discussion. So be ready for the discussion part in a minute. We're going to break into small groups. So... Um, <laughs> All right, if you will. So uh, knowledge plus experience plus a relationship with God equals God's wisdom. Some people think knowledge and experience make for wisdom. Wisdom is what you do with knowledge and experience. But if you only have it from the world's view and your own experience, what you do is going to be different than when you have a relationship with God in there and God's wisdom. See, because the world does things kind of backwards. 
this whole dating thing out there. If you were to learn about dating and relationships according to what's on TV and out there in the world, they, they promote that it's okay to hook up and then you figure out if you like the person or love them or want to have a relationship. Live and learn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, live and learn. You ever say that? Yep. Man, did you see that guy trying to do that with that car? Boy, he's going to learn. You hear that? The ways of the world will teach you live and learn. But God made his Bible for us and with stories in there from people that failed and had successes and started his church and invested in disciples so they would carry on the church to create a community where we can learn and live. The Bible's not full of stories of perfect people that never made a mistake. What's the, one of the best ways to learn something? From other people's mistakes, right? Why, people watching. <laughs> yeah. So, another phone call in life came. And it opened up a door for me. And um, and I don't share these phone calls of stories with you that cause pain for you to have any sympathy or empathy for it. It's just to share with you that you're not alone in these pains. We're all going to have to deal with them in the flow of life. Uh, but it's not intended to be. It's never, never intended for you to feel alone. That's not God's plan for us. I think you can take anything that you're passionate about in life and it can be used by the Lord. Another phone call that happened to me was uh, after I'd done some phone calls myself looking to uh, create an environment for men where they can go out into an outdoors atmosphere and, and be comfortable enough to ask questions and what have you, create an atmosphere that works for them, was a, a gentleman who owned a property where I was able to start an outdoor ministry called Wing and a Prayer. And uh, that property started about 10 years ago now. And um, uh, it was a, a great opportunity I have uh, guys come up all the time. There's guys sitting in here that have been here, and Alex there. I, I had the, the pleasure of guiding him and his, his two sons out uh, last year and what have you. It's coming up soon again, the anniversary of that. And, and they get a chance to learn about the Lord in, in an environment that's comfortable for them. And it's grown, and I believe the Lord blessed it. It's been a lot of work, uh, and it's uh, going on 10 years later now. And, and literally hundreds of guys have been there now. Uh, anywhere from 30 to 50 people come uh, a, a season and get exposed to it. And, um, 
And the, the funny thing is, too, is we've, I've had guys there, and, and they said, yeah, I've, I've heard about this place, and I heard that there's some Christian guy running a duck club up here somewhere. And I thought, man, I'll take that. That works. And that happened with a phone call in life. Uh, another phone call was I, I made it back to Mark Campbell. And I, I, uh, him and I have been in touch now for 20 plus years or so. And uh, at the time, I was feeling a spiritual unrest. And um, I said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for somewhere to plug in. I feel stagnant. Um, I'd stepped out of ministry for a while with my wife. We had some life things happening. Um, I'd been working on this outdoor ministry for years, and it was starting to roll along. But I, I, I'm not the type of guy that can come and sit and I get restless. I'll be the problem child in the church on a regular basis. I probably still am. But um, so uh, I asked him, you know, what do you think? And he said, well. There's this guy, Scott Berglund. I know the guy. He's a good guy. Uh, he's, he's just down the street from you. Why don't you call him? Why don't you go see his church? So that's what I did. I came down here and started hanging out and called him and said, hey, you want to go to lunch? And we started going to lunch together. And and um, one thing led to another. And next thing you know, here we are. Long story short. But those phone calls in life uh, can make a difference. And um, that, that takes a little bit on your part. That takes a little bit on receiving and applying yourself and seeing what God has for you. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your gifting is, like we studied with the men in First Peter uh, uh, last se- towards the last end of last season, we studied about a verse that says, you are to be a manifold of the gifts that God gives you. They're supposed to work through you. His blessings are supposed to work through you, whatever they are. Building, outdoors, teaching, serving, what have you. So I I invite you to come with us, men, on Wednesday mornings and and Monday nights. And hang around other men. What does it look like when the men start building their life on the rock? You'll you'll be around guys whose lives are changing. Um, uh, there's the range from 20 years old to guys in their 70s, um, and they all share their stories because that's that's how it works. Sharing our stories. Uh, there's guys who were working and decided to retire and start mentoring other men. Uh, there's guys who came into retirement were looking for a place to plug in and they started serving in the community. Uh, there's guys that serve within the ministry. Their fingerprints are all over it. I couldn't do the ministry without them. So there's somewhere, if you, if, you know, it's like I say, you hang around the, the, hair, the barbershop long enough, you're going to end up getting a haircut. You, you hang around other men that are seeking the Lord, that are looking to keep their attitude in check, their egos in check, and are going to hold each other accountable. That's the kind of guys you got to be around if you want that for your life too. So uh, as the worship team comes forward uh, for the last song, if you'll bow your head and your hearts with me uh, in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your promises, your mercy, wanting to use us no matter who we are, where we are. I ask you to just uh, uh, make this word real to everybody here, their hearts that have been listening and looking for you.
uh, the sign that they are here on a holiday weekend uh, wanting to find you and know more about you is a sign that the position of their heart is right. I ask them, you to give them the boldness and the courage to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.